All right. Good morning. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and begin because. Uh, can I? All right, how many people did the homework? Just doing it. I know the people who submitted it, but how many people just did it? Okay, good. I hope you did. Okay, so <laughs> you thought about doing it? Okay, so I had, I had uh, four people that submitted their um, homework. So let's get in touch. It's, it's you, Nate, both of the Carvers, and Elizabeth Muburi. And let's get together. I want to get you that one of the Lee Cummings books from the bookstore for doing your homework and sending it in. There are perks to doing that, okay? <laughs> so, <laughs> so again, just remember there are questions at the end of each of the sessions. If you can, um, go through it. And you're only supposed to submit the one that's bolded. But again, if you want, like I said, extra stuff, submit more to me. And it'll work. So Tommy and I will be looking through that. Okay. Okay. So something I didn't do at the very beginning that I probably should do is if you go to page uh, three, it gives you instructions on that homework stuff. So if you go to page three, it tells you which email you're supposed to submit your homework to. Okay. So just make sure you have that email. So it's just really emailing the um, the answers to us, and then we'll look through that. Okay, so if you notice in the book, if you notice in the book on page three, we're supposed to be doing gifts, uh, motivational gifts today, but we are actually not going to do motivational gifts today. And that is because um, I was not understanding Pastor Ken's English. He was using King James English when he talked to me, he said, that will be available in a week's time, which to me, I thought, man, this week is not available, but he's actually available. So, <laughs> so anyway, um, so instead of that, we're going to go straight into the spiritual gifts, and Pastor Ken is going to take that, uh, but it's going to kind of be a breakup. So we're going to do spiritual gifts today, which is session number five, is, huh? Oh, which is week three, I beg your pardon, which is week three. And then next week we'll jump back to week two, and then we'll finish week four as is. Okay, does that make sense? We're going to do week three today, and then next week we'll jump back to week two, and then week four will be as it is. So just bear with us, but I still feel like um, the Lord is here with us, and he's going to help us to understand everything we need to understand about these gifts and how they function and how we can make them function and work within our church today and within our city, state, and nation. Okay, any questions? Yes. Yes. Okay, um, if you don't have a book, we should have one. Uh, Tommy, can you help me? The, she needs a book back there. They should be in that box. Okay, if you need a book... Right, so if you forgot your book, don't get another book because you forgot it. <laughs> Apparently, that's not how it works. So, 
Okay. All right, let's go ahead and pray. Spirit of the living God, we ask your presence today. Holy Spirit, I just ask you to be present in our midst. For us to know the function and the work of your gifts, you are the best teacher to do that. And so we ask that you are here. And I pray that you stir up something in all our hearts to know our place, position, and purpose in building the kingdom of God. I just pray that you are with Pastor Ken as he teaches this class, and I pray that all confusion goes out of the room in the name of Jesus. And I ask that you would have your way in this room. May your presence be so real, so tangible, that we will go from here knowing indeed we have met with the Lord. We honor you, we praise you, and you are welcome in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. Thus, thus I shalt say unto thee, <laughs> thou shalt not lie. <laughs> King James. Welcome, everybody. Come on in. Amen. Hallelujah. Everybody good this morning? You know, we're, we're talking about the the holy spirit and the attributes of the holy spirit the things he can do for us but how many know it's it's a lot he's a lot more than just what he can do for us he is a person he is god we honor his presence in fact close your eyes right now lord we do honor the presence of the holy spirit we thank you that you are the real teacher lord and i ask you to use my mouth and my mind and my spirit to communicate your truths today and Lord, thank you that, uh, that this is going to help us individually. It's amazing how you can take a general thought and target it to one person, to the need that they have. And I believe you're going to do that this morning. And we give you thanks for all you're doing in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Welcome, everybody. Uh, last week, we started this series about the gifts of the Spirit. And... Uh, so let's review just a little bit of what we talked about last week. Jesus said it was better that he leave the earth. Isn't that amazing that Jesus was on the earth, son of God? But he said, you know what, guys, it's better that I go. And why is that? Because if he didn't, the Holy Spirit could not come. So the Holy Spirit came when he left on the day of Pentecost. And we are living in this thing called the church age. And that's going to change one day. I think maybe not too far down the road. But until it does, the church is like we are the representative of Jesus by the Holy Spirit on the earth. And we're to carry out the ministry of Jesus in all the fullness that he operated in. That's an amazing statement. Let me say it again. We, as the church, are called to carry out the ministry of Jesus in all the fullness, all the fullness, everybody say fullness, that he operated in. So the Holy Spirit empowers us with gifts. So we're talking about three categories of gifts, and they are, number one, the ministry gifts. We talked about those last week, the five-fold ministry, the instructive gifts, gifts that equip us, the church, for service. Uh, Tondra is going to talk next week about the motivational gifts. 
These are instinctive gifts. These are gifts that are born in you. These are ways that you're wired by God to fulfill your purpose on the earth. And today we're going to talk about the spiritual gifts. These are empowering gifts. These are supernatural. All of them are supernatural gifts. And so last week we talked about the ministry gifts. And I'm going to flip back to Ephesians 4, verse 7. And it says, however, he has given each one of us a special gift. Notice, each one of us has a special gift. Isn't that cool? Isn't that awesome? God did that for us? Are you awake? That's really awesome, right? So nobody gets to be a bench setter. I don't know about you, but man, I got saved, and I got filled with the Spirit, and I wanted to be involved in what was going on from the get-go. Nobody wants to sit on the bench, and you don't have to be. We're not supposed to be. We all have something... Uh, to fulfill in God's purpose by the Holy Spirit. Uh, verse 8, this is why the scriptures say, when he ascended on high, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts, presents to his people. And these are the ministry gifts li uh, listed in Ephesians 4, uh, verse 10. He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. That's where he is right now. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers, the five-fold ministry. Remember our hand? The apostle's the one that hangs out here. He's the one that is sent with a message. Uh, the prophet is the one that points to what God is saying. The evangelist sticks up a little higher. He's the flamboyant one that gets people saved, uh, gets a lot of people born again. The teacher, or excuse me, the pastor is the one represented by the ring finger. There's my ring. Wait, there's my ring. Wedding ring. The pastor is married to the church, right? And then the teachers, that's the little finger. That gets deeper in your ear than any other finger. And that's what a teacher does. So these ministry gifts are called to equip us as the saints. Uh, and our, the saints then do the work of the ministry. So let's say it this way. Every saint should be doing the work of the ministry in some way. Amen? We're all to be involved. Notice, some have the calling of ministry gifts, but not all. It's a calling. We don't all have that. These are callings to lead ministry positions. That is not something you just one day haul off and decide. No, this is God imparts this to you. Uh, but everybody has been given spiritual gifts to operate in. They are, all, they are available to all. And the purpose for any gifting of God is not for us to brag that we're better than somebody else, right? It's to fulfill a purpose. And here's what it is. Verse 13. Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man. That means a complete man. That means you mature and you grow. How many know we're supposed to continue to grow? You know, I've been saved for over 50 years and I still learn things. And I don't, I, I don't know it all yet, right? And that's the way it is to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So we cannot fulfill our commission of impacting the world without the power of God backing us up. Jesus walked in power when he was here, and then he left and handed off his ministry to the church, but he didn't leave the church powerless. Let me say that again. He did not leave the world, the church powerless. And there's too many people in our time that are Christians that don't understand what we're talking about today. Uh, I'm going to read something that uh, I found that I think is very interesting. The Hermitage Museum in St. Petersburg, Russia, is the most famous of Russia museums. There is a section containing paintings of Rembrandt. 
They depict many of the acts of Jesus from the Bible. There are pictures of Jesus healing the blind man, of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead, including many more, and under each painting is a sign declaring the fairy tales of Jesus. Isn't that amazing? And so, you know, the, this is what they are to many religious people, but they're not fairy tales. They're true. All those things really did happen. These miracles attest to the fact that Jesus was alive then, but he has not changed. Write down Hebrews 13.8. Oh, this is going to be good today. I'm so excited. This is such a powerful scripture. Such a powerful scripture. Let me read it. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, back in that day when he did that stuff. Today, he still does everything that he did in the old covenant when he walked in the earth. Everything he did in that three and a half years of his ministry, he still does today through the church. Amen. The day he walked the earth were not the only time he did miracles. In the culture we are living in today, like never before, like never before, it is essential that we have the power of God. Would you agree with that? If you believe that, say amen. You know, Moses in the plagues in Egypt, it took the supernatural to convince Egypt that God was God. And isn't that true today? Don't we need that help? The power of God settles the issue. So today we're going to talk begin talking about the gifts of the spirit that equip us with power to carry to carry out the works of jesus and here's the thing about the gifts we're talking about now these are available for every believer in christ these are available for all of us the gifts of the spirit being operational attest to the fact that jesus is alive and still doing miraculous deeds today that he did when he walked the earth he left us with a power supply acts 1 8 write that down you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the world, stretching all the way to Oklahoma, right? Yes, that power is available, hallelujah. And it stretches everywhere, and that power is on us to accomplish the purposes of God. We are witnesses. We're called to be witnesses or you could say it this way, representatives, or, you know, when, when there, there are times that, that in the past I've witnessed to people, and people w- want to begin a religious argument. You ever gotten people try to get in that with you? You know, they try to th- say religious things to you, and, well, I don't believe this because. And so, okay, fine, okay, but let me just tell you what happened to me, and I'll tell them the story about my wife and how Trudy was, had crossed eyes, and she got saved back in 1971 and went to a prayer meeting one night, crossed eyes. She'd had all the time she was growing up from a little baby girl. And she was prayed for in a prayer meeting one night. And her eyes from cross went straight. Her vision went 20-20. Now, you can tell me, I tell people that. And you can tell me, well, I don't believe that. Well, that's your problem because I saw it happen. So you can't argue with somebody that's witnessed something, right? And you can't take that out of me. You can drag me behind a horse. You can whip me, slap me, but that's there. And I know Jesus is, I know the word is true, and that's one of the reasons because he did that. And if he did that, he'll still do what he said he would do today. Amen? Hallelujah. And we are called to do the same works that Jesus did. John 14, 12. Jesus says, most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. That's pretty clear, right? 
We're supposed to be carrying out the same works. But it doesn't stop there. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. Wait a minute. Greater works than Jesus did. Is that what that says? We're to do greater works. What does that mean, Pastor Ken? I mean, Jesus raised dead people and Jesus healed people that were terminally sick. And does that mean we'll do something greater? Here's what what I think the greater is. I think the greater is Jesus was confined to just Jesus doing that. But now in the church, the greater works are we all, all of us corporately carry out those works, but they're greater because there's more of them, right? See, everybody in this room, you got to see yourself this way. As you're sitting here, what do we got, 40 people in here? We're all little Jesuses today. I'm not saying that arrogantly or smugly, but it's, the, it's true. We have that same power available to us. Turn somebody and say, that's really good preaching. Yeah, tell them, tell them that. Amen. So the Apostle Paul gives us information about the gifts of the Spirit. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And Paul says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. Jesus does not want the church to be ignorant or uninformed about these things. But there is much ignorance and misunderstanding about them in the body of Christ. Some Christians don't know anything about them. I was raised in a church, and, and our church never taught any of these things. They, they didn't te- teach about the power of God. Uh, and a lot of churches are like that. Some Christians have incomplete or even wrong information about them. And then some Christ- Christians can get flaky with them. You can do that. So we need to dig into the Word of God and get a clear picture and understanding about these gifts. The purpose of these gifts is not to glorify a man or prove you're a powerful Christian. These gifts can be used incorrectly if they don't glorify Jesus. The purpose is to lift up Jesus always. Because he said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw men to me, right? So there, it's always to glorify and lift up Jesus. So verse 3, 1 Corinthians 12, 3. Therefore I make known to you, Paul talking, that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So the gifts of Spirit we're talking about are the same gifts Jesus operated in. These gifts declare that Jesus is still alive and still does what he did 2,000 years ago. And all the gifts we're talking about were present in the ministry of Jesus. All nine of these gifts we're going to read about. Uh, So verse 4. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. It's amazing how God uses us all, and he works with our personalities, and and things will manifest in a little bit different way, and yet it's the same Holy Spirit that's doing all the work, right? Verse 7, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one. That's for all of us. For the profit of all. The manifestation means the demonstration or the exhibition or the showing forth of the Holy Spirit. The manifestation is giving to each one of us. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. Notice it keeps saying by the same Spirit because this is not just something we, we work up. It's the Holy Spirit that administrates these things, right? To another, gifts of healings by the same Spirit. To another, working of miracles. To another, prophecy. 
to another discerning of spirits to another different kinds of tongues to another the interpretation of tongues but one and the same spirit works all these things distributing to each one individually as he wills so there are nine gifts of the spirit that we've just listed here nine the number nine is a good word is a good number according to jewish rabbis it means good nine means good so nine is good right nine is the number of completion nine is the number of a cycle ending and a new cycle beginning because you got one two three four five six seven eight nine and then you begin another cycle with ten right so nine is the end of a, a one and the beginning of another nine months of pregnancy and then a brand new beginning right ashley that's the way it works uh, there are nine gifts of the Spirit. Seven of the nine gifts operated in the Old Testament through the prophets. The two that were added to the church dispensation were tongues and interpretation of tongues. And we're going to find out that Jesus operated in seven of the nine spiritual gifts. The miracles and works that Jesus did were the gifts of the Spirit in operation. Uh, and these are, grou are grouped in groups of three. So write this down. First of all, there are the revelatory gifts the revelatory gifts these are gifts that reveal something and they are number one the word of wisdom number two the word of knowledge and number three discerning of spirits those are the revelatory gifts that reveal then we have the second category, the utterance gifts. And these are gifts that say something. They declare. They are num number one, prophecy. Number two, tongues. And number three, interpretation of tongues. Number three, uh, number th or the third category is the power gifts. The power gifts. These are gifts that do something. And they are number one, the gift of faith. Number two, gifts of healing. That's plural. There's diversity in healing, the way people are healed. And then number three, working of miracles. And notice it says doesn't say miracles. It says working of miracles. And there's, the, and there's a reason for that. So did you get that? Everybody wrote those down? No. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 11. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. You know, it keeps coming back to this. You notice how it says, by the same Spirit, by the same Spirit. Here's why. It's because we, people can get off when God works through you and something like this happens. I mean, you raise somebody from the dead, you're going to feel pretty good about yourself that day, right? I mean, this person was dead, and you, you, worked, you worked this gift, and they were raised from the dead. And here's the, here's the danger. Pride comes in. And you begin to think, I said this last week, I'll say it again, you begin to think you're something on a stick. And write this down. You're not anything on a stick. <laughs> you're not. I'm not either. It's because God used you in a great way. You know, you're, you're a person. Jesus is the one that did it. He's really the one that did it.
And so that and so it keeps going back to this. Very important. And, and here's another thing: you don't just pick out a gift and decide this is the one you, I, I want. Man, I like that. I like that uh, 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 gift of faith. Um, so that's mine. No, no, the Holy Spirit determines the distribution of these. Some of it is according to the need. We study the gifts and their operations so that when a need comes up, we can be open for the Holy Spirit to use us. Verse 31 in 1 Corinthians 12 says this, but earnestly desire, King James says, covet the best gifts. Covet the best gifts. And yet I show you a more excellent way. So what is the best gift? If you're supposed to covet it, here it is. It's the one that you need at the moment. It's like if you're sick, the greatest need in your life is not prophecy. It's healing, right? If you're confused and praying for direction, you don't need discerning of spirits for that. You need direction. So the best gift is one that is needed for the moment. And here's the thing. They're all available to you, to us as, in, to us as individuals, for the things that we go through in life, for the challenges that we have, for the way that you minister to somebody. They're all available. That's why we need to know about all of them, right? They're always to glorify Jesus. Uh, and lift him up if it doesn't it be will become impure and it will be tainted and inaccurate so we always lift up jesus with these gifts so let's break them down here we go the utterance gifts let's break these down number one is let's talk about the word of wisdom the word of wisdom this is not the gift of wisdom this is not a wisdom that's uh, naturally learned through study this is a supernatural word or a part of the vast wisdom of god write that down it's a supernatural word. This is a piece of the wisdom that is revealed at the moment. It is a supernatural revelation by the Spirit of God concerning the divine purpose and plan of God. Let me say that again. It is a supernatural revelation by the Spirit of God concerning the divine purpose and plan of God. It is a glimpse into the Spirit for the future. The word of wisdom always has to do, deal with the future. That's important to understand. The Old Testament prophets operated in this gift plus the word of knowledge and prophecy. They not only prophesied about the present, which is the word of knowledge, which we're going to talk about that. The word of knowledge deals with the present or past, but the word of wisdom deals with the future. And they prophesied about the future. Uh, they prophesied the near future and any, even the distant future. We, we'll look at that. But the word of wisdom can operate in different ways. It can operate, operate through a dream, for instance. Joseph is an example uh, of a dreamer. Joseph and the dream of his brothers bowing down to him. Genesis 37. Note take these verses I'm giving you. We're gonna, I'm going to read a few of them. Some of them I'm just going to give you, and you can go back and study them later. But uh, uh, Genesis 37 I'm going to read verse 5 it says one night Joseph had a dream and when he told his brothers about it they hated him more than ever and then I'm going to jump to verse 7 we were out in the field this is the dream tying up bundles of grain suddenly my bundle Joseph says stood up and your bundles all gathered around and bowed low before mine his brothers responded so you think you'll be our king do you he was their little brother and he was young probably immature and he just starts ripping off what God's told him, and he makes them mad, right? Uh, do you actually think you'll reign over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dreams and the way he talked about them. Verse 11 says, And while his brothers were jealous of Joseph, his father wondered what the dream meant. 
Now, this wasn't to show how great Joseph was. There was a purpose behind this because God knew in the years ahead there was going to come a famine to the land to try to destroy the Jewish people, and God raised up Joseph to, to stand against that. He came to a seat of power in the nation of e Egypt and was able to, with the wisdom of God, uh, preserve God's people. So that was a purpose for that. But he received a word of wisdom through a dream. Moses received the revelation of the law by an audible voice. So an audible voice, you can hear an audible voice to receive something about the future. But that's very abnormal. It normally doesn't work that way. I have never heard an audible voice. I've read of people that have heard audible voices. I mean, God spoke to them. I've read about people that had visions of Jesus walking in the room with them. That'd be pretty cool, right? But, you know, that's not something we believe for or we wait for. Because if you do, you start looking for things like that, watch it. You're going to get a little strange and weird, right? Uh, but God can do that. And that's what he did with Moses. So uh, Moses went up into the mountains and through an audible voice and a visitation of God, uh, he received the law. Uh, so it can flow through God speaking with an audible voice. That's unusual. Any of the prophets who prophesied in the Old Testament about things to come, including things that haven't happened yet, were operating in the word of wisdom. So it has to do with the future. Noah's a great example. God spoke to Noah about a future flood that was coming. Uh, let's read about this in Genesis 6.13. I'll read some verses here. Noah had a revelation. Genesis 6.13. So God said to Noah, I'm going to put an end to all people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I am surely going, destroy, going to destroy both them and the earth. So make yourself an ark of cypress wood. Make rooms in it. Coat it with pitch inside and out. This is how you are to build it. Man, he gives him some specifics, right? And he talks about the cubits, how big it's going to be. Make a roof for it, verse 16. Uh, verse 17, I'm going to bring floodwaters on the earth to destroy all life under the heavens. Every creature that has the breath of life in it, everything on earth will perish. But I will establish my covenant with you. You will enter the ark, you and your, your sons, your wife and your sons' wives with you. And then he talks about the animals that he is to bring. Uh, and then verse 22, Noah did everything just as God commanded him. There's, these are amazingly detailed instructions that God gave him about what to do in the days ahead. And it was all about the future, God preserving the Jewish nation through this one man. So, word of wisdom. Isaiah and Daniel both operated in word of wisdom. Uh, God revealed great words of wisdom in the lives of these two prophets. Daniel had a vision about the end of time that matches up with everything we read about that John saw in the book of Revelation. Daniel saw it and, and described it. Isaiah saw and described in detail, probably more than any of the prophets. David saw a lot, too, in the Psalms. You, you read a lot about this. But they saw the Messiah and what he would do and the details about his death and his suffering in uh, great detail. Uh, particularly Isaiah wrote about his, his beating and, and his scourging and you know the Jewish people to this day do not understand that the Messiah that was going to come the first time was going to be a suffering Messiah they were looking for a king to come on a white horse and he is coming that way second time but not the first time he came to bear our sin and to suffer take our suffering on on uh, himself and Isaiah saw that. They both had multiple words of wisdom concerning end time events. Many fulfilled 
and many have yet to come to pass but will in the near future so uh, that's the old testament prophets they operated in the word of wisdom new testament agabus was a prophet uh, acts chapter 11 turn there acts eleven twenty eight. we're talking about the word of wisdom everybody good tracking with me okay agabus prophesied a drought coming in the new testament people were able to prepare and help the saints who lived through it uh in acts 21 he prophesied to paul and he told him about the jews that would bind paul and deliver him up to the gentiles and uh he was warning paul about what was going to happen and paul knew what was ahead of him he knew the things he would have to suffer but his mission was to take the gospel to rome and he was determined to do that and he didn't it didn't deter him he went ahead but God helped him by telling him what was going to happen. Paul was given uh, in a time of calamity. God assured him of of a coming deliverance. Acts 27, he was on a journey on a ship when a great storm came. And Paul tried to warn the captain not to launch out, but he didn't listen. Remember the story? And in the middle of the storm, God spoke to him and announced to the captain, verses 23 and 24 of Acts 27, There stood by me tonight the angel of God, whose I am and who I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul. God has given you all that sail with you. And although there was a shipwreck, all the men were saved. And Paul knew that was going to happen. Why? He had a word of wisdom. Jesus operated many times in the word of wisdom. Um, I'll just point out one. Uh, He told Peter before the cross when... uh, uh, Peter said, Lord, I'll never forsake you. And Jesus said, yeah, you know what, Peter, before the rooster crows, I mean, before morning, when the sun's coming up, you're going to, before that happens, you're going to deny you knew me three times. And he did it. Jesus saw that. That's a word of wisdom. Uh, So the word of wisdom or any of the spiritual gifts don't always have to be given publicly, though. In fact, sometimes it's better if they are not given publicly. Let me explain what I mean by that. Uh, Years ago, when Trudy and I were just probably a year into our walk with God, being filled with the Spirit, one night uh, or one morning we woke up. I was getting ready to go to work, and she says, I had a dream last night. That was really different. Let me tell you about it. She said, I saw this girl that I went to high school with that was in my graduating class. And I wasn't, we weren't really good friends or anything like that. But she said, I saw that girl, and I saw her out on the farm where her and her husband worked. And I saw somebody come up and shoot her and kill her. And she said, I had that dream last night. She said, what do you think about that? I said, I don't know. I don't know. She said, well, I'm going to pray about it. So she did, and she prayed about it, and she prayed, just prayed about the situation. Well, it was about a week later. It's amazing. It's amazing. I'm cutting hair. I, I cut hair back in those days. And I'm, I'm cutting hair, and on the radio, we had the radio on. And there's a report on the radio about a guy that has uh, – shot a couple at a farm and it's this girl and the hired hand that worked for them got mad at them and came uh, up to the house and they were standing in the yard and shot the man and the woman but he shot him with the 22 she was shot but she only was shot in the arm i think he hit her like four or five times with a 22 but didn't kill her and you know i think true god gave truth that dream you know but you know she didn't call that girl up and tell her hey you know what you better be careful i had a dream about you and somebody came up and shot you because that could have been weird 
See, here's what here's my point. Sometimes God will tell you things, and you don't have to go always tell everybody about it, or even tell the person. Sometimes He gives people things to pray about. That's important to understand. Uh, do I want to get into this, Lord? I think so. Um, a while back, before we my great granddaughter was born, somebody came to us in the church that we knew and had a dream about and they they said this is somebody named Brooke or Brooklyn my daughter's name is Brooke and said uh, I saw her and I saw a baby that was in distress and I can't remember all the other details but my granddaughter was going to have a baby like in six months or so and so she told us that and so we when we heard that we said okay so we prayed about that took authority over it well, six months later, when Ryan, uh, yeah, when Ryan goes into labor, uh, she the baby did become stressed. She uh, she had some infection that got in, and uh, she anyway, it's a long story. But we because of that, there was a lot of fear that came against us at that time, because she said she saw the baby distressed, but it's like she didn't see if the baby lived or died, and so we took that, but it produced a lot of fear. And I think what would have been better. With that girl, I believe she picked up on something, obviously, but I believe it may have been better if she would just prayed about that and not told anybody, because when you, you gotta be careful. You don't generate fear with this stuff. See, here's the thing that God always wants us to minister to to help people and to encourage people, and He may tell you something negative, but just pray about it. You don't have to tell everybody. And listen, here's the thing: if you learn to keep secrets that God gives you. He'll tell you more. He'll tell you things if you learn how to keep them. You want to ask me a question? Yeah, 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 yeah. We'll talk about this Pro uh, prophecy. The simple, you know, the s the simple definition of prophecy is to exhort encourage and comfort and it's never to generate fear or to you know uh, yeah that's not god that's not god's way so uh let me say this again once again god will tell you secrets if you learn how to keep them be careful wh whenever god gives you something in conclusion in conclusion the word of wisdom is a word from the holy spirit that has something to do with the future so with that let's talk about the word of knowledge What's the difference in a word of wisdom and a word of knowledge? A word of wisdom deals with future events, while the word of knowledge is specific about the present or the past. The word of knowledge is given to deal with facts that exist. You ought to write that down. The word of knowledge is given to deal with facts that is exist. And it's more than a natural <coughs> knowledge that you've studied or learned. Uh, yeah, we need to study. That's important, but a word of knowledge is supernatural. It's a supernatural word that God gives you, and it speaks to events that are happening or have happened that is not <coughs> known by natural acquisition. So let's look at some examples of this. The word of knowledge to Samuel concerning Saul and his donkeys. First uh, Samuel chapter 10. This is an incredibly detailed word uh, concerning donkeys that God gave Samuel to Saul, who was the first king of Israel. You know, it's interesting. You, we read some of this, how detailed it is. But then when God, you know, Samuel was the first king. 
and uh, I'm excuse me Saul was the first king and then he of course disqualified himself and along comes David the replacement king and David whenever whenever he was anointed king he was on the back 40 keeping sheep and David's dad didn't even think enough of him to bring him in with the other brothers and Samuel looks at all the brothers and some of them were really nice looking and strong looking men but Samuel says God says this is not the one this is not the one he says you got any more sons and he brings David in from the back 40 brings him in and he's a little guy he's ruddy the Bible says and God looks at him and says this is the one he was the replacement he's a picture of Jesus being the second Adam the replacement king to Adam so but he didn't get detailed words like this so just because you get detailed words like this doesn't mean you're better or worse right in fact, sometimes people that don't receive as much <laughs> maybe revelation use their faith and do something great. So I, I'm saying that don't think you got to have all these things in line <laughs> to qualify to be used by God. But it is pretty cool. Let me read some of this. Then Samuel took a flax flask, so 1 Samuel 10, 1, a flask of olive oil and poured it over Saul's head. And he kissed Saul and said, I'm doing this because the Lord has anointed you to be the ruler over Israel. And then look at the word he gives him. When you leave me today, you'll see two men beside Rachel's tomb at Zelzah on the border of Benjamin. They will tell you that the donkeys have been found. He's looking for his father's donkeys. And that your father has stopped worrying about them and is now worried about you. He's asking, have you seen my son? And then when you get to the oak of Tabor, you will see three men coming toward you uh, who are on their way to worship God at Bethel. One will be bringing three young goats. Another will have three loaves of bread. And the third will be carrying a wine skin full of wine. Look at the detail of this thing. They will greet you and offer you two loaves, which you are to accept. When you arrive at Gibeah of God, where the garrison of the Philistines is located, you will meet a band of prophets coming down from the place of worship. They'll be playing a harp, a tambourine, a flute, a lyre, and they will be prophesying. I mean, this goes on and on. What great detail. But this is a, this is a word of knowledge that God gave Samuel for uh, Saul. Uh, Elijah walked in the word of knowledge first uh, kings nineteen fourteen. elijah was discouraged when he heard jezebel had vowed to kill him so he climbed under a juniper tree and begged god to let him die he told the lord i'm the only one left who loves you but the lord spoke to him verse 18 yet i've left me seven thousand in baal all the knees which have not bowed unto baal and every mouth which has not kissed him so word of knowledge god gave him a word of knowledge about the prophets that were left elijah operated in this second kings five the story of naaman the uh, uh the uh king or the general who was healed of leprosy and he tried to give elijah uh, elijah money for it but uh elisha excuse me but elisha refused to take the money but remember the story how uh, Naaman leaves and Gehazi uh, follows Naaman and he lies to get some money from him. And when he returns to Elisha, Elisha asks him, says, where have you been? And he replied, nowhere. But Elisha asked him, don't you realize I was there in spirit with Naaman when Naaman stepped down from his chariot to meet you? Is this the time to receive money and clothing, olive groves and vineyards, sheep and cattle and male and female servants? Because you have done this, you and your descendants will suffer from Naaman's leprosy forever. Wow. When Gehazi left the room, he was covered with leprosy. His skin was white as snow. So he got a word of knowledge about that. How could Elijah know that when he was away from him? A word of knowledge. In the New Testament, 
uh, we read about the word of knowledge working. With Peter, uh, in the case of Ananias and Sapphira, let's read about this, Acts 5. Acts 5, verse 1. There was a certain man named Ananias who with his wife Sapphira sold some property. Now, this is when... Uh, this was in the early days of the church, and people were giving. There's a lot of giving going on, supernatural giving. I mean, people giving away lot big sums of money, and that's that's something when the seems like when the Holy Spirit's really moving, you see that begin to happen. People they, they begin to get moved on by God. You want to give, right? That that's the way God is. He's such a giver, and that puts that in our heart. So this is what's going on. But Ananias and Sapphira brought part of the money to the apostles verse 2 claiming it was the full amount with his wife's consent he kept the rest verse 3 then peter said ananias why have you uh, let satan fill your heart you lied to the holy spirit and you kept some of the money for yourself the property was yours to sell or not sell as you wished so god wasn't doesn't make anybody give right it's free will but he lies about what he'd give given and after selling it the money was yours to give away how could you do a thing like this you weren't lying to us but to god that's a word of knowledge right as soon as ananias heard these words he fell to the floor and died whoa everyone who heard about it was terrified later sapphira shows up with the same story verse seven about three hours later his wife came in not knowing what had happened peter asked her was this the price you and your husband received for your land yes she replied this was the price peter said how could the two of you even think of conspiring to test the spirit of the Lord like this? The young men who bury your husband are just outside the door, and they will carry you out too. Instantly, she fell to the floor and died. We got two people died dead in church. When the young men came in and saw she was dead, they carried her. This is one of the reasons we need a student ministry. Because young men, when people start dying in our services, we got, we got the young people trained to... <laughs> yeah 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 it's even better than moving chairs yeah that was tongue-in-cheek but uh it really happened they carried her out and buried her beside her husband i mean they died because they lied to the holy ghost i wonder if that's gonna happen anymore huh interesting okay so uh, peter operated in the word of knowledge and it produced a holy reverence look at the result of this though great fear gripped the entire church and everyone else who heard what had happened i guess so the apostles were performing many miraculous signs and wonders, gifts of spirit, and among the people. And all the believers were meeting regularly at the temple in the area known as Solomon's Colonnade. Verse 13, this is interesting. But no one else dared to join them, even though all the people had high regard for them. In other words, they were afraid to come to this church. Hey, you better have your act together if you go to that church, because there are people dying at that church. <laughs> But but look, but look at this. Yet more and more people believed and were brought to the Lord. Crowds of both men and women. Wow. So when, how do I say this? When, when, when God is moving and things are right and there is a holy reverence and fear of God. You know, there's a holy reverence and fear we got to have of God. Yeah, God is good and he loves everybody. And yet there are qualifications if you're going to walk with him. And he, and he doesn't play around because he is God, right? He is the judge. And uh, th that's the other side of God. He is, uh, he's holy. And so we want things to be right. And I think people are looking for that. I think we're coming to a time when people are going to look for that more and more in the days ahead. I really do. 
get, we want to get past some of this monkey business, sift through all the junk that's happening in our culture right now. We want the truth. I believe there are a people that want the truth, right? Amen. It's good preaching, Pastor Ken. Thank you very much. I appreciate you telling me. So, the result of Ananias and Sapphira, that word in Aja, holy reverence and fear, and the church grew. It's, it, it was kind of like a spanking in a family. Whenever somebody gets spanked, you know, I, I knew a, I don't know if I told this story before, but I'll tell you, I knew a, a pastor that believed in spanking his children. You know, the, but the spanking's in the Bible, not beating your kids. I, you know, I got to be careful the way I say this. I'm not talking about abuse and all this kind of stuff, but biblical spanking, which is a process. It's in the Bible. If you do it right, it, it brings your child, it brings them to a place of, of, of repentance and respect and love, actually, to bring you closer to your child than ever. But this pastor, I think he had like seven kids, and they're growing up, and of course they do something stupid, and, and so he spanked his children, and they knew that dad's going to spank them. But he knew that he couldn't spank them when he was angry. Because the Bible said the rod of your anger will fail. That's Proverbs, the rod of your anger. So you just don't go wail on them, and you won't do any good. So he knew that. So, so he, but he, they'd make him angry. So he would, no, i got to settle down. So he'd go play the piano, and it caused him to relax. But when Dad's playing the piano, the kids are all, somebody in the house is going to get it. <laughs> uh. <laughs> so... Spanking. All right. So that Jesus operated in the word of knowledge. Remember the story of the woman at the well? I preached about this a couple of weeks ago. He went into Samaria on a hot day uh, to find this woman. Jesus came looking for this lady. Uh, and he engages her in a conversation. I'm going to pick this up in John 4:14. 4, Is this helping anybody? It's a word of knowledge. And he says, uh, he said, give me a drink. Jesus has previously said that. And she said, how come you're a Jew and you ask me a Samaritan for a drink of water? Because they were, there was racial tension there. But those who drink water, Jesus, but those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. And she says, please, sir, give me this water that I'll never be thirsty again. And I won't have to come here to get this water. And Jesus said, okay, go get your husband. Verse 17, I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right, you don't have a husband, for you have had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth, called a word of knowledge. This lady says, sir, you must be a prophet. Caught her attention. See, when these gifts are done right, they, they, they catch people's attention, straighten, up, straighten out people's days, right? And so the, the encounter with this foreign woman, she believed Jesus was the Messiah. Verse 28, we skip uh, some time here, but she goes into the village, says that she left her water jar and ran back to the village telling everyone. 29, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, he told me everything I ever did. When they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village. So he stayed for two days long enough for many more to hear the message and believe. So this woman triggered a revival in, in the town of Sychar. And it, what, what was the truth? The word of knowledge. So the word of knowledge is a spiritual word from God involving a present knowledge of an event or a personal situation. Uh, I know a friend of mine, and Brandon, you may remember this one, uh, Pastor Willie George in Tulsa, Oklahoma, 
uh, this happened years ago in one of the services. We got to the end of the service one night, and uh, he was listening to the Lord, and he said, okay, I, Lord just told me something, and it sounds really weird, but I'm going to give it out anyway. He said, here's what the Lord said to me. Mustard in your eyes. Remember that? Mustard in your eyes. And the whole church is looking at him like, what in the heck is mustard in your eyes? So he gave it out a couple of times. He said, folks, I know this sounds really strange, but I believe Jesus said this to me, mustard in your eyes. That means something to somebody here. So he waited, and he waited, and nobody ever came up to, you know, to grab that. So he finally dismissed the service, but when he did, he said, now, I don't know what's going to happen, but he said, uh, maybe next week I'll be able to tell you that, that this, wh what this was all about because I know God gave me this. Well, after the service and people were leaving, there was a lady that came up to him, and she was trembling. And she said, I, that, that's for me. And she tears in her eyes. He said, well, tell me what happened. And she worked in a beauty salon, if I remember all this right. And somebody had brought in a Subway sandwich while she was, was getting her hair shampooed, the one, the one shampooing her hair. No, she didn't work. She was getting her hair shampooed. That's what it was. And, uh, and, and somehow they got mustard from the sandwich in their fingers, and they got it in her eyes where they were shampooing her hair. And this lady was not a Christian. In fact, this lady was a lesbian and had been invited with somebody else to come to church that night. And she came up in fear and trembling, and she got born again and delivered that night. Y'all, cl let's clap our hands. Isn't that cool? That's a word of knowledge. Uh, so it's a powerful gift. It's a gift when used properly will have great results. I'm going to tell one more story, and then we're going to take a little break. Uh, I received a word like this that impacted my life greatly years ago. I was teaching in a church, and uh, in fact, I was doing a little workshop in a conference. I was teaching about kids praising worship, and the pastor of the church, as I'm concluding, stepped into the back of the room, and so I, I let the crowd go, and the pastor walks up to me, and uh, he's, he's a real cool guy, real gentle spoken guy, but he said, uh, you got a minute that I could talk to you? And I said, sure. This is back in 1986, and uh, so I sat down in his office, and I could tell he was a little uncomfortable, but he said, you know, I've been praying, and I believe God's told me something for you. I said, okay, what is it? He said, well, the Lord, I believe the Lord told me, and at that time I was working in a ministry. I was part of this ministry, traveling with it, doing, doing TV. That's back in the gospel bill days. He said, I believe the Lord told me that you're thinking about leaving this ministry. And he's right. I was and I said well he said uh, is that right I said well yeah he said well <laughs> he said I believe I got a word for you I believe the Lord's saying you're not supposed to leave right now and so when he said that I said yeah but you don't understand I began to throw up some things this is going on and this is bothering me and yeah 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 I started saying all these, these things and he stopped me I'll never forget it he stopped me and he said okay he said that's not important but he said uh he said, this is what I believe the Lord's saying. And he, and he looked me in the eye, and he said, I believe Jesus would say this to you. He said, Jesus says, would you stay here and do this for me? And when he said that, I melted. And I heard from God, man. And, and, and here's the thing. I knew if Jesus is telling me to stay, it doesn't matter what any circumstance I'm dealing with. If Jesus wants me to stay, that's for my best regard, right? And in a moment of time, I made a, I turned a switch in my heart. And I said, okay, I'm staying. 
And here's the thing that happened. Uh, that was in the days of the beginning part of, of the television ministry, the Gospel Bill show that I was a part of. It's kind of just beginning. And that thing in the next six months exploded. And our TV show went all over the country. And then there was a church planted. The, uh, church on the Move in Tulsa was planted in 1987. And I became a part of that church. And I was a worship leader as it grew. And it grew to like 8,000 people when I left in uh, 2002. And so God had me. Look, look what I would have missed. But God knew that. But I didn't see that. But he had a word of knowledge that changed my life. So this is a powerful gift, right? Word of wisdom and the word of knowledge. Uh, and it's important that we learn how to operate in these things and recognize how they operate. Okay, let's take, I think we need to take a quick break. Let's take a quick five-minute break. Five minutes, you got five minutes, okay? Go to the bathroom, stand up, stretch, and then we'll come back in and we'll wrap up the end of this. Okay, the grouping is, uh, next is the discerning of spirits. Discerning of spirits? Mm -hmm. Okay. Discerning of spirits. Prophecy is one of the others. Uh, yeah, the breakdown, revelatory, these are revelations, they reveal something. Okay. Wisdom, knowledge, discerning of spirits. Utterance is prophecy, tongues, interpretation. Okay, so the next thing you're doing is discerning of spirits. Okay. I'm so, just Yeah, so just let them know that the same of spirits is Okay. And then it could be Will
All right, let's uh, jump back into this. You know, for your note, your note's sake, uh, it's supposed to in your notes. Let me see somebody's heading. What is it scheduled to be in the notes? So it's prophecy. Okay, we're going to talk about discerning of spirits, the revelatory gifts, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, discerning of spirits. The gift of faith is in the power gift, so we'll get to that one later. So. Mark it out. And uh, let's talk about discerning of spirits. Go back to my notes. Praise God. Isn't this good stuff? Discerning of spirits. What is that? The discerning of spirits gives insight into the spirit world. The spirit world is more real than the natural world. The spirit world is the parent to the natural world we live in. Now, we can't see it, so that's not the way it seems. But the spirit world is real. So you may see spirits, if you operate in this, with your natural eyes. But it can al also be a perception or something you see in your spirit without your natural eyes. Something that you, uh, in here, you sense something. Uh, it allows people to discern evil spirits but also angelic spirits. So not, it's not just evil spirits. It's not, the, it's not the gift of discernment. 
There's no such gift. People say they have the gift of discernment. Many times they're operating under the gift of suspicion. <laughs> and that's not supernatural. <laughs> now, it doesn't mean you may not have suspicion about somebody. Here's, here's a, I, one preacher that I follow for years used to say it this way. Sometimes you're, you're talking with somebody or something happened, and you have a scratchy feeling on the inside. It's in your spirit. You know, your spirit knows things that your mind doesn't know. Uh, but, but if that happens, you need to, that can also be called a check in your spirit. You just have a check or you sense something. Uh, but that's not, that's not necessarily discerning of spirits. But, you know, somebody comes up and begins to talk to you and they're, they're feeding you a load of bull. You know what I'm talking about? And you go, eh, no, that's not right. Uh, but, uh, uh, that's not necessarily discerning the spirits. Visions which are of God are manifestations of this gift. People that have visions. My wife sees visions. She sees stuff. I don't, I do not. I wish I would, but I get words. That's the way God talks to me. I'll have a word come to me. So we're different. We're all different. It can also be insight into the dispositions of people under good or evil intent tendencies. It may reveal the presence of a demon power, a possessing or oppressing by a demon of somebody. And some people uh, see demon activity in their spirit, but once again, not necessarily with the natural eyes. So let's look at some examples of what we're talking about here. Uh, Moses operated in discerning of spirits. Uh, he, he saw the Lord. In fact, it gives the account in Genesis 33. Moses wanted to see God. said, God, I want to see you. And God said, we can't. And so, but then God tells him this, verse 19. I'll, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will call out my name, Yahweh, before you. For I will show mercy to anyone I choose, and I will show compassion to any, anyone I choose. But you may not look directly at my face, for no one may see me and live. I guess it would fry our eyeballs if we saw God. I don't know. But... Uh, but the Lord allowed him to do this. said, look, stand near me on this rock, and as my glorious presence passes by, I will hide you in the crevice of the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will remove my hand and let you see me from behind, but my face will not be seen. So Moses got to see God from the, from the back, but he was in the rock, the cleft of the rock, which is a picture of Jesus. So in Jesus, we can have... You know, we can have deeper relationship with God. I'll say it that way. But that was a discerning of spirits. Isaiah had visions of the Lord and angels. Isaiah 6.1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings, and two he covered his, with two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, with two he flew. So Isaiah had a vision of, of the Lord. John had a vision in Revelation chapter 1 in the New Testament. Uh, John makes this statement. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and behind me a loud voice as a trumpet saying, you know, I love John, the, the apostle of love. He's been banished to Patmos. They boiled John in oil, tried to kill him, and he just wouldn't die. I don't know how that worked. I don't want to be bored with oil to find out. I mean, bored with oil and you don't die, but he didn't. They couldn't kill this old prophet. 
And the, prof, the, the he's the apostle of love, too. He's the one that wrote about love. John's the one that always said, uh, called himself the apostle that Jesus loved. And you may think, well, that's arrogant because Jesus loved them all, right? But I believe John just had a revelation. No, he, yeah, he loves them all, but he loves me real special. And you know what? He does the same with you. You're special to him. There's a special love God has for each one of his children. Wow. That just blesses me to say that because it's true. But, but with love, he, he just he can't go down. The Bible says he was breaking rocks on the Isle of Patmos. And he's in, he was in the spirit on the Lord's day. Wow. What, how, what does that mean, you're in the spirit? He was worshiping God, walking with the spirit that day. And I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet saying, I'm the Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. What you see, write in a book and send it to the seven churches, which are in Asia, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamos, to Thyatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. So John saw into the future of the end of the world before Jesus' second coming. He got the revelation that matches the revelation of Daniel. They, they correspond. Um, and he was able to give this message from Jesus to the churches, a spiritual word direction and warning for the churches of that time that still speak to us today. But he had a, that is the discerning of spirits. He saw the Lord. Uh, Jesus operated in this. Mark chapter 9, verse 2. says, Now after six days Jesus took Peter, James, and John and led them up on a high mountain apart by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. His clothes became shining exceedingly white like snow, such as no launderer on earth can whiten them. And Elijah appeared to them, and Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. So he operated, he saw into the spirit world, Elijah and Moses, and so this gift can help you see into the spirit world. It can also reveal the motivation of people in certain in instances. Uh, and there are people that operate in this more, more uh, profusely than others. My granddaughter operates in this. Uh, she operates in this gift. She tells a story when she was a little girl that one night she was laying in her bed and her door was open and she saw on the stairs her dad sitting there in a T-shirt. And he was just sitting on the stairs, just looking at her, looking in the room, checking on her. So she said, I woke up, and I, I waved at him. She said, my dad waved at me, and she said, I was kind of sleepy. And I thought, why is dad just sitting on the stairs in the middle of the night? And she said, I went back to sleep, woke up again. There's dad. I waved at him in a white T-shirt. He waved at me, got up the next morning. She said, Dad, listen, i got to ask you a question. Why, what's the deal? Why were you uh, si sitting on the stairs last night? He said, baby, I wasn't sitting on the stairs. What are you talking about? She saw an angel. I, be I believe with all my heart she saw an angel. Uh, there there uh, was another time that she came in, into contact, this is recently, uh, with a, a person uh, that wanted to change genders, somebody she met. And she saw into the spirit world and saw a demon wrapped around this person's head whispering in their ear. And it scared her, she, so she called her grandma. She called Trudy. Told her all about it, and Trudy said, "Baby, you just saw it. That's discerning of spirits." So she'll operate in that from time to time. You may not always see the spirit once again, but if we'll be sensitive, the Holy Spirit wants us to see things on people that will warn us about the negative, or even ministering, or even minister to us about concerning the positive. So that's the purpose of that gift, right? So let's. I think we have time. I'm gonna.
touch on one more, the utterance gifts. Let's jump into the first one, and that's prophecy. I think I've got time to plow this out. So we'll, we'll finish this up today, and then uh, Tondra next week, just to, for everybody to know, we'll be talking about the motivational gifts, and then we'll pick back up where we leave off here for the final week, all right? So let's talk about the utterance gifts, prophecy. What is prophecy? Simply, a prophecy is an inspired utterance. That's what it is, an inspired, it's inspired words. Prophecy can generally cover all the gifts of utterance. Can prophecy show us things to come? Yeah, but the specific gift of prophecy is not foretelling the future. Here's what it is to do. He who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. Edification, exhortation, and comfort, 1 Corinthians 4.3. So simple prophecy serves to edify or build somebody up. That's what edify means. To exhort, which means to encourage somebody about something that they already knew or to bring comfort to somebody. It doesn't have to be predict, uh, prediction. Uh, to prophesy to somebody just may be words of encouragement by the anointing of the Spirit. In other words, you see somebody in church and you just say, man, I love that guy. Just, just, just go say, you know what? I, I sure appreciate you. Say something good about them or that lady. And that's prophetic. You're, you're operating, you're encouraging people. If you prophesy, also it doesn't make you a prophet. Write that down. Just because you prophesy doesn't make you a prophet. Because everybody should be able to prophesy. And we're not all prophets. Uh, 1 Corinthians 14, 31. For you can all prophesy one by one, that all may learn and all be encouraged. You can prophesy, also prophesy to yourself. You know when you're saying scripture to yourself, you are prophesying to yourself. I do that every day of my life. I prophesy to me. Why? To build me up. Why? I need it. I, sometimes I wake up in the morning, I'm down, and I need to know what God thinks about me. So what do I do? I begin to go to what the Word says, but then I say it out of my mouth because it becomes alive when you declare it. Because here's the way faith works. You need faith, right? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So when you hear yourself say the Word of God, you are putting faith on the inside of you. You're building yourself up in faith. Uh, Jeremiah 23, 28 says this. The prophet who has a dream, let him tell a dream. And he who has my word, let him speak my word faithfully. I just read that last week. So we have his word. We're supposed to speak his word. First uh, uh, Thessalonians 5.20 also says, do not despise prophesying. So why would you despise prophesying? Because you received an inaccurate one before time. Anybody ever got a bad word? I have received many. <laughs> This gift can cause confusion and harm if it's not done properly. Uh, for that fact, it is important to know the next scripture. It seems that people abuse this term prophecy more than any other gift. Simple prophecy can be just giving an encouraging word to somebody. It may be our perception. It doesn't have to be, thus saith the Lord. Uh, you know, it doesn't have to be that bold. It can be like, you know, I was praying about you, and, and, and I could be wrong, okay? But I believe this is what I picked up. And see, and see, we need to present things to people like that, not just go blow them away all the time. That doesn't, make, that doesn't mean it's right just because you're bold with it. Uh, so I could be wrong, but here's what I feel like. And if I'm wrong, just don't even just throw this away, okay? And, uh, and that's a good way to give somebody a word. 
Prophecy is not about how great somebody's gift is. Prophecy must always glorify and lift up Jesus. Just talked about that. First Thessalonians 5.21 says this, Test all things. Hold fast what is good. So you have the right by God to test out prophecies. Somebody tells you something, check it out. And if it doesn't bear witness, throw it away. Get rid of it. You know, in the New Testament, it's different than the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, maybe we ought to go back to this. I don't know. If you gave a bad prophecy, you could be stoned. <laughs> Maybe we'd get rid of bad prophecies more, more prof- proficiently. We know I'm not saying it. <laughs> but in the New Testament, prophecies are to be judged. 1 Corinthians 14, 29. Everybody with me? Let the prophet speak two or three and let the others judge. This is talking about public prophecy, but it's supposed to be judged. So in the church, if a public prophecy is given, it needs to be scrutinized. If somebody gives a word of personal prophecy, that word is to be judged by the leadership of the church. So if somebody came up and gave you a bad word, and you have the right to judge it. If it's not accurate, line up with something that's in your heart. It's not founded in what the Bible says. You don't have to receive it. Uh, if somebody tries to give you a word in church and you don't know that person, like somebody walks up to you after church and says, you know what, I got a word for you. You don't know who they are? Be very wary because you don't know them. Somebody gives you a word of weird prophecy uh, and you need some help, come to one of the staff members and we'll help you. Because, you know, th- this happens from time to time. Somebody came up to Pastor Josh oh, a couple of years ago and they had a weird word for him. And it's weird. And he'd never seen him before. And he said, is this the first time you come, you've been to this church? He just starts to question them. Then they say, yeah. And he says, uh, that's not right. I just lost my place. Excuse me, let me find this. Uh, he just... <laughs> boldly told him you know what that's not right and uh who are you well <laughs> sorry i lost this i want to quote him properly here Well, 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 sorry, folks. A lot, lot of scrolling through here. Oh, he said, are you a member? Uh, do you tithe to this church? <laughs> he said, that's wrong, and I don't receive that. And you have the right to tell people things like that. You know, we walk in love, but we also love's not bowing down to every little thing that comes along. Uh, so if we prophesy, we need to be responsible to people. If you have a prophecy, it needs to be, you need to be willing to have that prophecy judged. 1 Corinthians 13, 9, for we know in part and prophesy in part. And sometimes people may pick up on something God wants to say, but they only get a part. So be careful when you're giving somebody something not to make a, uh, not to make a sentence out of a word that God gives you. Let me say that again. I'm, I'm closing with this. You don't want to make a sentence out of a word. You may have a word for somebody. But don't, don't just then try to figure it all out for them, okay? Just give it what you got. And they say, what does that mean? You say, I don't know. No, no, that's between you and God. We need to be like, we need to be responsible, right? Hallelujah. I think we got time. Let's jump into different kinds of tongues and interpretation of tongues. We have time? We got a few minutes? What do you think? Got 10 minutes. Okay. These two gifts go together, and we'll be done with the utterance gifts anyway when we do this. Uh, many people are very wary of these gifts. For some reason, they carry a stigma. Tongues and interpretation of tongues, right? Uh, 
it's like I heard of some, I can't remember the, the context of this, but somebody came to a church, and this was a church that believed in spirit-filled life, and this person came up kind of spooky to one of the leaders and says, is this the ch- kind of church that believes in the unknown tongue? <laughs> the unknown tongue, isn't that weird? <laughs> and here's why. Some people, uh, some Christians have, have uh, seen tongues misused, and they don't want any part of it. And I've talked to people like that. Uh, for some, they seem mysterious and spooky. The devil's worked hard to create these ideas and that put people off. But the truth is these are powerful gifts that God has given the church for a powerful purpose. It's important to understand that the spiritual gift of tongues is different than the gift of tongues that is given to the believer that is baptized in the Spirit. They're two different things. Whenever you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, part of the equipment God wants to give you is he wants to give you a prayer language or tongues. Maybe prayer language is, is a better way to say it in our culture today. But he wants to give you that language. What for? To communicate with the Lord. That's the purpose for that. But what we're, this kind of tongues we're talking about, tongues and interpretation, is for service. It's for the service. It's for public service. And that can happen. Uh, the baptism of the Holy Spirit with a prayer language is ab- available to every believer. What is the purpose uh, of a prayer language? So you can talk to God. So you can pray a language that goes deeper. You know, have you ever been praying and you pray in English and you go, man, I need to say something, but I don't know how to say it. And the scripture talks about uh, that, that that's going to happen. And therefore, God gives us this language that goes deeper with him. Uh, Romans 8, 26 says it this way. The Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words and that's the the language god's god gives you and when another uh, uh, purpose of this is it builds you up to pray in that language now this is all private tongues what, what i'm talking about here but jude 120 says but you beloved building yourselves up on your most holy faith praying in the holy spirit this building up this is an architectural term and uh it, it actually means when you're praying this way, you're, you're building a blueprint for your life. Or you're praying out the will of God and the plan of God for your future when you pray in the Spirit. That's what happens because you're praying this wonderful language, perfect prayer unto the Lord. But private tongues and uh, public tongues are different. If it's, to be, if it's done in a, in a public service, it needs to be interpreted because if not, it causes much, conf- causes much confusion. Um, but there are untold ways that this may be delivered because God is very creative and sometimes he'll do things in incredible ways through this gift to reveal his plan. And I'm going to close with this. One time years ago, I was preaching in a church in Ohio, little bitty church. I had done a meeting and, and this church had, had come to the meeting and asked me to come a couple years before. So I, I did. I was in another. Anyway, it's a long story. But anyway, I was in this church. And uh, I had preached that morning, and at the end of the service, I sensed there need to be tongues and interpretation, Spearfield Church. So I gave this tongue, and I gave out this tongue, and then after it was done, I interpreted the tongue, and then the service closed. Well, when I got done, and the service was over, I'm standing there talking to people at the front of the church, <coughs> and I look up, and there's a Hebrew, a man dressed in Hebrew uh, garb, traditional uh, rabbinical outfit that a he that a, that a Jewish man would wear you know the hat and the curls and the the prayer shawl and all this and this man comes up to me 
And I said, how you doing? And he just looks at me and he says, where did you go to school? I said, school. Well, I went to high school in Crest, Texas. And uh, he said, no, 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 no. Where did you go to school to learn Hebrew? I said, uh, I don't know Hebrew. What do you mean? I said, he said, when you were praying that language, he said, you were praying perfect Hebrew. It's, a, it's an older version. Some of the things you said are archaic now. But he said, I understood most of what you said. I said, no kidding. That was called diver's tongues. That guy understood. I didn't understand it. I just gave it out by faith because the Lord, I felt like the Lord told me to do it. But God wanted to witness to that Jewish gentleman that what I'm preaching is right and that God's in the place. And he looked kind of shook up as he's asking me those questions, which is pretty cool, right? So that's one of the purposes for um, uh, in tongues and interpretation of tongues. They can be very tongues. On the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit fell, people, some people heard the language. There were people there from all different parts of, of, of the, uh, not only Israel, but parts of the country or other countries because they had come for the Feast of Pentecost. They were required to come to Jerusalem if you were a practicing Jew in order to uh, fulfill your, your purpose for that feast. So they, some of them heard their own language, their own dialects. Some of them didn't. There's a lot of confusion. But that's called divers' tongues. Divers' kind of different. Divers means different. Different kinds of tongues. So tongues and interpretation are part of the nine gifts. So that is the first two sets. Anybody learn anything this morning? Does this help anybody? You liking this? All right. Well, we are done. Pastor Tondra, you want to come? close this thank you guys for coming and we will see you next two weeks thank you so much pastor ken all right i'm gonna help you with the with the book because everything is all over the place right now okay so i'm gonna try and help you all right so uh pastor ken has done week uh three and a little bit of week four okay so on the gifts of um, the gift of faith, and then uh, discerning of of spirits, I do believe it is. Yes. Okay, so those ones are the ones that he will finish off when he comes in for week four. So the ones that he did today under week, uh, the last week, which is week four, where the gifts of uh, tongues, interpretation of tongues, and discerning of spirits. So that whole chunk under your week four, we did today. So you're going to move the three that were on this supposed week to the next week. Does that make sense? Okay. And what I want you to do is when you look at the homework, um, if you go to the last week, there are questions on there that are specific to, um, to discerning of spirits and to tongues. So I want you to, to do that section, okay? Under week four, the questions that have to do with discerning of spirits and the t tongues and interpretation of tongues, you, should, you wanna answer that in this particular homework. And then you're going to do the uh, you're going to go back to week three and do the homework there. So just look at week three and week four questions and answer those. Does that make sense? Okay. And then we'll do week two next week. Okay. All right. Everybody okay? If that did not make sense, email Tommy. <laughs> 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 no, if that did not make sense. <laughs>
<laughs> now, if that did not make sense, just email at Discipleship a New Song and I'll help you straighten it out so that you can see where you're going to answer the questions. But we really are interested to hear from you and what you're gathering, what you're learning. And if you can make week four, that is going to be awesome because we're going to give an opportunity for us to express the gifts and to be able to uh, allow the Holy Spirit just to work through us and give an opportunity to pray for people and give an opportunity for you to express some of the gifts, okay? All right, let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this time and we thank you for blessing us. Holy Spirit, I thank you that even as we leave from here, that you are impressing on our hearts where you're directing us, what gifts you have endowed upon us, what gifts you want us to be operating in, just to see where we're at, that we can begin to function in it. I pray that even as the week is going, you give us opportunities to express this, to see what Pastor Ken has seen, to see the experiences that he has had and have that in our in our lives and that cementing our faith in you i just thank you and praise you for what you're doing right now i thank you for this new chapter this new uh place that we're going to where we're going to begin to work and move more effectively as our understanding grows in how the gifts of the spirit work we thank you and honor you and it's in jesus name we pray amen